0: Do you like to sing? The forever man does, and he sings very well indeed, in chapter 5. On Monday morning, Ezra Johnson was sitting at his desk when Simon knocked on his door. Come in, Simon. What can I do for you? I'd like to arrange for transportation to choir practice at the church for this Thursday evening, Simon said. Well, that's good news. How many will be going with you? Johnson asked. Well, that's just it. I'm, I'm not sure what you have available. Johnson said, The Suburban holds nine people, including the driver. That should be good enough for your needs, I imagine. Not exactly, the big man said. How many people want to go with you? Johnson asked. Twenty-three, and there may be a few more. I asked everyone I saw, and Johnson stood up from his chair, knocking his full cup of coffee over and spilling its contents onto the desk. Simon quickly stepped forward, grabbing a box of tissues from a nearby table. Twenty-three people? How did you imagine? As I said, I just asked everyone I saw. There are apparently more singers here than I imagined. How can we get them to this practice? We have a bus that we use when other transportation isn't available for large groups. How in heaven's name did you get that many to go along? Johnson asked him with a look of incredulity on his face. "'You just said it, Mr. Johnson,' the big man said. "'I said what?' Johnson asked. "'Heaven's name.' "'That's the name I use. It works every time. "'So we have a bus, but do we have a driver?' "'Arnie Henshaw can drive the bus,' the director said. "'You mean Arnie who works in the kitchen?' Simon asked. "'Yes, he has the proper license, "'and I'm sure if you ask him he'll be able to help out.' "'You amaze me, Simon. "'This will triple the size of the choir.' Most Sundays these days, we're lucky if we break a hundred people in the congregation, including the choir. I never thought to even ask anyone here if they would be interested in going to my church. I, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything, Mr. Johnson, Simon said. Please call me, Ezra. If one name is good enough for you, it's good enough for me, too. Our congregation will be thrilled with this many new people coming to the church. The pastor's going to love it, the director said. "'Simon smiled. "'When we're alone, I'll call you Ezra. "'When others are about, it will be Mr. Johnson. "'You're the boss here. "'Some days I wonder about that,' Ezra said and smiled. "'I'll arrange for the bus. "'Talk to Arnie and tell him about his new duty. "'Tell him I'll pay him for it.' "'No, that's all right, Ezra,' Simon said. "'I'll take care of Arnie. "'Keep it off the books. "'That way you don't have to explain it to anyone.' He and his wife, Maria, have a new baby girl. He can use some extra money to help out. I didn't even know he was married, Johnson said. That's all right. I have time to ask questions. You have a lot to do. Everyone understands the pressures you have. You'd be surprised how much you your respected here is, but people know how hard you work. You can't possibly keep track of everything. Simon and I need to do more, but there are things I can't do. I can't change the company's policies on spending. I've never met anyone like you. You could move a mountain if you wanted to do it. I don't have your resources, and I don't have your joy. I realize that you're older than I am, but you act younger than I do. You make people laugh. You make them happy. I make them frown and run the other way. The truth is, I don't know how to do what you do. Would you tell me how to do it? This was the most honest Ezra Johnson had ever been with anyone in his life, and what he had said to the big man was not expected. Simon stood silently for a long moment. I will tell you the most important truth about why I treat others the way I do soon enough. But you can do what I do as easily as I can, Simon said. How is that possible? I don't even know how to be happy. I haven't been happy since... Ezra stopped speaking. Yes? What were you going to say, Ezra? I... I can't say now, perhaps one day. When you're ready to tell me your story, I will be there to listen, the big man said. I will speak to Arnie and make sure the bus is ready for Thursday. You might want to give... Pastor Blankenship a call and tell him what to expect. I will also give you a full count Thursday morning of who will be going to choir practice. Now, I promised Mrs. Stern that I would read to her this morning. She's almost blind. She likes me to read to her in Hebrew. I will speak to you later. Simon left the office, and Ezra Johnson sat for a long time staring at a photograph on his desk. Memories came flooding into his mind. If only he had a chance to go back in time, what he would do differently. He did not feel the tears on his face. If he could change the past, his soul would be at peace. Ezra reached out and picked up the photograph. Once he had been happy, once he had been at peace, anger had destroyed everything in his life. How could he tell Simon the truth? How could he go on living with such pain? He was the most tormented of men, and he pretended that everything in his life was perfect. Everyone around him thought he was always in control. He wore the mask of the self-sufficient. He wanted to stand up and scream at the unfairness of the world but he did not want anyone to know what had happened. The shame would destroy him. Thirty-four people were on the bus that Thursday evening. When they entered the church, the choir director and the pastor were waiting for them. After all the introductions, Simon took control and began asking each person what their key was. He then arranged the first and second sopranos, 1st and 2nd altos, 1st and 2nd tenors, and 1st and 2nd basses together. Extra chairs had been set up. Simon turned to the choir director and said, I have a suggestion for Sunday. There's a wonderful song on page 237 of the hymnal, and that I've always enjoyed it. Would you like to try it? The choir director, Agnes Simpson, opened the hymnal to that page. The hymn was Lord of the Dance by Sidney Carter. The first stanza goes, I danced in the morning when the world was begun, and I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun, and I came down from heaven, and I danced on the earth. At Bethlehem I had my birth. The verses that followed were done to a lively tune that could get people on their feet, clapping their hands and singing along. Mrs. Simpson said, Well, this is a bit too... She never got to finish her sentence. Simon said, Mrs. Simpson, if you will allow me, and he smiled, his great smile at her, I will direct this piece. We have to get the parts right. This is a wonderful hymn. I'm sure the congregation will enjoy it. Would you be kind enough to use the piano instead of the organ? It plays very well on the piano, and it will be easier for everyone to find his or her note. The big man had become the director of the choir, and Mrs. Simpson had become the instrumentalist in that moment. One might have thought that she would object, but she was overwhelmed with gratitude by his request. Truth was, she was tired of playing the same hymns, sung by the same voices Sunday after Sunday. She was excited to see what would happen when all these new people raised their voices and she sensed that this huge man knew exactly what he was doing. Mrs. Simpson moved from the organ to the piano. Simon took her director's hymnal to the piano and placed it so she could read it easily. He turned to the choir. Now, let's begin. I will sing the song all the way through so you can be comfortable with the phrasing, the lyrics, the changes in tempo, the cadence, and the unique vision of this song. This is an absolutely wonderful piece, and it celebrates what the Master did for all of us. Please listen carefully. Mrs. Simpson, would you play for me? Let's go through it together. Mrs. Simpson and Simon began playing and singing, and forty-plus people sat in awe when they heard the voice of the huge man fill the church. If the Lord himself had come down from heaven, they could not have been more amazed. Simon's vocal range was incredible, apparently without limitations, and the song came to life with his powerful voice. Some of the women were crying when he finished singing, and there was a hushed silence in the sanctuary when he stopped. Pastor Blankenship was standing in the center aisle with his mouth open and a huge grin on his face. He thought to himself, If this man can sing like this, he could be at Carnegie Hall in New York. He began clapping his hands and yelling, Bravo! Bravo! The spell was broken, and the newly reformed choir joined the clapping, whistling, and shouting, along with the pastor. It took a couple of minutes for the people to quiet down. Simon appeared not to notice all the approval. Now that is the way we want to do it on Sunday. I'm going to lead you through the parts I have two roles when I direct a choir. Rule number one, smile. Rule number two, don't break rule number one. Everyone laughed at his observation. For the next two hours, they practiced, and Simon led them gently but firmly to the right notes and phrasing. He said, For those uncertain singers among us, don't be afraid. Listen to the others who are more certain, but above all, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Even Ernie Henshaw, who had driven the bus, had become part of the choir, and he exclaimed, Yes, sing with all your heart. When they finally stopped practicing, everyone was talking about the song and its joy, the wonderful enthusiasm in its vision, and the powerful message it contained. No one wanted to leave. Many people came up to Pastor Blankenship to ask about possibly joining the church, and he gladly shook hands, talked to each person, and promised that all were welcome. By the time they were on the bus, everyone was excited. They sang the song without the help of Mrs. Simpson's piano all the way home. Sunday morning dawn and three buses waited in front of Madison Acres' retirement home. Everyone was going to see the performance, including Mrs. Stern and four other women who were of the Jewish religion. No one wanted to miss hearing their friends sing. Pastor Sam Blankenship would refer to that Sunday morning as the day the miracle occurred at John Wesley Church. The truth was that the congregation did not contain many younger people. The majority of those who sat in the pews were seniors. The people who had been in the choir were seniors. And the people from the retirement home were seniors as well. But when that Sunday came and people looked at each other, there were young families, younger single people, children, teens, African Americans, Hispanics, Asians, and the family of mankind present. The church was packed, and extra chairs had to be set up in the aisles to make a place for each person. When Mrs. Simpson took her place at the piano and Simon stood up to direct, there was a hush in the church. When the song was ended, the people were on their feet, clapping their hands, shouting their praise, and making a joyful noise that went on for five minutes. Where the younger people had come from, no one knew. How the word of what would happen there had been spread in the community could never be determined. All Pastor Sam as the younger folks would call him from that day forward, could do, was joined in the celebration as he moved towards the pulpit. He had a carefully written sermon prepared, but he turned it upside down and stood looking at the happy, cheerful throng in front of him. He grinned at them, and a lovely young woman with red hair and blue eyes near the front row caught his eye. They made eye contact, and Pastor Sam's life would change again following the service. As the crowd grew quiet, he said, King David, dance in joy before the Lord. How can we do less? Our joy should be taken to the streets and be seen by everyone. He is the Lord of the dance, and his is the dance of life itself. Please join me in prayer and let us pray in such a way his angels sing in heaven for what they have heard today." The sermon that followed had not been written, but it would be carved in the hearts of so many for so many years because the word of the Lord had come upon the people and his joy filled the sanctuary. Ezra Johnson was in the seat in the row he sat in each Sunday because he was a man who kept his habits rigorously But this was no ordinary day. "'The great piece of ice that occupied the center of his chest "'where his heart should have been, had been melted. "'Lord of the Dance was his father's favorite song, "'and Ezra had not heard it for far too many years. "'Tears ran down his face. "'He was in danger of losing every bit of control he had. "'He felt a hand on his shoulder.' He looked up, and Charlie Higgins, the friend of Simon, said, "'Are you all right, Mr. Johnson? Can I get you something?' Johnson was embarrassed. "'No, I'm all right, Mr. Higgins. "'It's it's just that I haven't heard that song in years. "'It was my father's favorite. I... I... "'It's all right, Mr. Johnson. It moved me, too. "'That's Simon. He sure is something else, isn't he? "'You think you know what he's going to do when he does this?' I had no idea he could direct a choir like this, and that sermon, it was powerful. I'm coming back here next Sunday, I can tell you that. This place is so crowded, you folks are going to have to build a larger church. Through his tears, Ezra managed to smile for Mr. Higgins. You know, it's time we got to know each other, Mr. Higgins. I, I understand you used to be a police officer. Please, call me Charlie, Mr. Johnson. Then you'd better call me Ezra. Ezra, yes, I was on the force in Philly, and I retired. I moved to Westchester for a time to live near my brother. He passed away two years ago, and that's when I moved here. They began the first extended conversation that Director Johnson had ever had with a resident of Madison Acres, but it would not be his last. As 263 people left the church that morning, They were greeted by Pastor Sam on their way to the parking lot. The new members of the choir and the other residents of Madison Acres were warmly thanked for their attendance. Coming at the end of the line was the big man. The pastor reached out and took Simon's huge right hand in both of his. I'm not sure what happened here today, but it was something I will never forget. I have no idea where all these people came from, or how they knew to come here today, or how you got all these good people to come to choir practice. This was some sort of a miracle. I don't know how else to explain it. As for you, I hope you'll be here next Sunday. I wouldn't miss it for the world, Simon said, smiling his great smile. See you Thursday night, Simon said. What song will you do next Sunday, the pastor asked. I don't know yet. "'but the Master will guide us.' "'Yes, I'm sure he'll do just that,' Pastor Sam said. "'See you Thursday.' "'In the next moment, a young woman with red hair "'and the prettiest blue eyes he had ever seen "'was standing in front of him. "'She reached out and took his hand in hers. "'I really enjoyed your message today,' she said. "'I'm so glad you were here. "'Miss Carol Williams, I just moved here from Ohio.' I'm a new second-grade teacher at the local elementary school. This is such a beautiful area of the country. I'm glad I came this morning. Our choir used to sing that song when I was growing up. It's one of my favorites. I hope you'll come back next Sunday, Sam said. I'll be here, she said. With this promise, she turned and started walking towards the parking lot. He called out to her, Are you doing anything this afternoon, Carol Williams? She turned around, smiling. No, I hadn't planned anything but a meal in my apartment. Why do you ask? I could show you around the area, the pastor said. Give you the tour, so to speak. Sound like fun. Yes, that would be a good idea. I know very few people except for the couple who rent the apartment to me. And I don't know them all that well. They they were friends of my parents years ago. I guess I'd be safe with a new pastor at my side. He stepped towards her handing her a bulletin. The number and email address are there. I live in the parsonage by myself. Let's say two o'clock. Call me and tell me where to pick you up. There's a lot to see in this area. We'll make an afternoon of it. Dinner will be on me. I know quite a few places to eat, and all of them are really good. Carol smiled. It's a date, uh, rather a good way. He finished her sentence to see the Amish country. I can teach you the safe way to drive around the buggies. Oh, I know how to do that. We have Amish in Ohio, too. Great. It's a beautiful day. See you soon, Sam said. I'll call you with my address, she said. Bye. Goodbye, Miss Williams, he said, smiling. Sam Blankenship had just met the person he would spend the rest of his life with and the future looked wonderful.